Our scripture for today is 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's a long one, 33 to 49. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep the sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or a bear came and took the lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by its jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defiled the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord, who saved me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his own armor. He put on a bronze helmet on his head, and then he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to, the, to all of the armor. Then David said, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. He took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistines. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, He disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the wild animals. Of the field, but David said to the Philistine, Oh, you come to me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by the sword and the spear, but the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine drew near to meet David, 
David ran quickly towards the line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone and slung it, and it struck the Philistine on his forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. There's a lot of giants in life. Uh, sometimes it's gigantic scripture readings. But with everything that, uh, that we go through, uh, there just seem to be times in life where there are circumstances or situations uh, that just seem too big, that just seem too hard, uh, that we kind of like the labels that Goliath put on David feel uh, a little ineffective. Uh, we feel a little insignificant. And there's all sorts of giants that we face. There's giants on the outside, which uh, we look around the headlines and the status updates, and, and it feels at times like, uh, like the world's really just kind of coming apart at the seams that we face uh, brutality from those that are supposed to protect us and supposed to protect the uh, most vulnerable in our society. We, uh, we see lies and we see deceptions from those that we've elected to govern us. Uh, we see violence popping up in some of the safest places that we thought that we had in our communities, in our schools and churches and community centers. It seems like there is just some problems that are so very big that they paralyze uh, the ways that we trust, uh, they freeze up the ways that we forgive each other, and they really discourage uh, any sort of effort that we have to feel like we can ever push back against them. But then also in the way that we have the giants that uh, sort of uh, stand in front of us on the inside, uh, the names and the labels, the attitudes uh, that we have not only towards ourselves, but uh, the labels that other people's put on us, that uh, we're just not good enough, and we're just not capable enough, that, that really seem to kind of seize us up and stop us from really being able to see a bigger story. And you see, that's really what giants do, is giants get so big that they become the whole story of what's in front of us. We can't see around them. We can't see past them. They seem like that immovable object that really shuts down any sort of effort that we have that there's even a story of hope on the other side. So these are all stories that are right in front of us. And when we battle those giants, uh, it can seem entirely impossible but the fact of the matter is, is some of us have had some battles in life against some giants uh, that remind us and testify to the rest of us that giants can be a lot more fragile than they first appear. So we've been preaching through a sermon series for the last several weeks called Zoom Out, Seeing a Bigger Picture. And it's been reminding us that, uh, that sometimes when we're so focused on a problem or a situation in life uh, that we really miss the bigger picture of where God is all around us. And so we've been talking about pictures the last several weeks, but today I want to talk about when we zoom out, seeing a bigger story. Because a picture is uh, just a, a testimony and a remembrance that God is right here with us. But a story 
reminds us that God is not done yet. Stories remind us that God has a point to this, that God has a direction that he's taking all of us. And stories remind us that we have a place of being tied in to God's plan and God's purpose. How many of us have ever closed a chapter on a part of our life or we've kind of finished the book on a relationship or a job and we felt like that was the end of the story and then we found out that God had another chapter written? So it can be a little hard to kind of see the bigger story sometimes. It can be kind of difficult to, to kind of understand that there is a bigger story because sometimes we're the only ones that know the bigger story or we're the only ones that can see it. And that's okay because that gives us the ability to tell the story. So I've got uh, some items up here that um, I want to be able to kind of share with you and, and see if you can kind of help me uh, tell me what they are, and then maybe I can tell you a story about them. So a couple of you guys got scared when I walked in today because I walked in carrying a guitar. And so I can assure you I'm not going to play. I can assure you I'm not going to sing. But I want to share with you this particular guitar. <clears throat> so this guitar was the first guitar that I ever used as a worship leader in a church. How many of y'all ever knew I used to be a worship leader? That's why I'm not a worship leader. Because <laughs> it wasn't very newsworthy. But this guitar uh, was a guitar that I borrowed from the wife of my pastor every time I played in worship. And when I left that church uh, up in Gurley, Alabama, a uh, small little church, Shiloh United Methodist Church, uh, about 15 people on Sunday morning, when I left that church... My friend Joni, who owned this guitar, said, I want you to have it. And she gave it to me. About $500 or $600 guitar at the time. And uh, I was a broke college student, and guys, I was floored by the generosity. And her story kind of wrapped up with this guitar. It was one that she didn't use anymore, but when she gave it to me, it became the beginning of a story that would go on to play countless worship services and countless retreats. And, and I even took this guitar to uh, my drill last weekend with my unit, and one of my soldiers played it for our chapel service at drill. A little bit of a bigger story than what some of us would first realize. Now, some of y'all might recognize uh, this Bible as well. I've preached from it a couple times while I'm here. Um, this Bible is... A mess. It's falling apart. Uh, it doesn't have a back cover on anymore. Every time I pull it out, I get a little bit more worried about it. Now, this Bible was my third grade Bible. And it was presented to me in 1991 at Waynesville United Methodist Church in Waynesville, Missouri, just outside of Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Now, when this was presented to me, um, I didn't really think too much about it. Um, I really was told to just go stand up at the front of the sanctuary and get this Bible and then go sit back down. And I think the instructions that my mother gave me were something along the lines of, just don't embarrass me. And this Bible sat on a shelf uh, till probably the ninth grade, where I ended up going to a retreat at Camp Sumatonga, where, wouldn't you know it, on the packing list for a Bible retreat, they tell you to 
bring your Bible. And I thought to myself, I don't even think I have a Bible. But then the light bulb went off and I said, but I used to have a Bible. Let me see if I can find where I put that Bible. And so in the ninth grade, I took out the Bible that I had in the third grade and finally began opening it for the first time in my faith to see what was really written on the inside for me. And so this Bible has uh, all of the notes and all of the, the uh, kind of the cliff notes and the, the, the cheat notes for the exams of everything that the Bible has to say when I was kind of first coming into my faith. Uh, it's the first Bible that I ever wrote in, which devastated my mother, but really kind of became the foundation of my faith. And now, since I've been a pastor, and I don't particularly use this one anymore because it's kind of fallen apart, um, I bring it out every year, particularly around third grade Bibles, uh, to remind us that God's Word has a story that's so much bigger than what we ever realized. In the third grade, I'm not sure my mother would have ever thought that this Bible would be the one that helped lead her son into becoming a pastor. Then, a couple years later, uh, after becoming uh, a pastor and uh, starting here at Alabaster, um, I went to the beach one year and I found this really incredible shell. And I found this shell uh, just outside of Port St. Joe and uh, was the biggest shell that I'd ever found in my life. And as I picked this shell up, uh, I cleaned it off, and I brought it home, and I put it on a shelf. And my plan was to just kind of keep it there and remember uh, the amazing day when I found an awesome-looking shell. But I went to a worship service at one point where we were remembering our baptisms, and the pastor at that worship service uh, used a shell uh, as a symbol of God's grace and mercy being dipped and pouring out the baptism waters. And so I thought to myself, I've got a shell. That's something I could do. And so this shell that uh, sort of was found wedged between the rocks on uh, the the stump hole in Cape Sandblast, if any of y'all are familiar with that rock wall down there, uh, ended up becoming uh, a tool that's been used in dozens and dozens of baptisms. That I don't think was ever the idea when I first picked it up, and yet seems to have come a part of a bigger story. And so, from a guitar and a Bible and a seashell, when we learn a little bit more about their backstory, and we learn a little bit more about what they've become, the story kind of makes those things seem a little bit different. It makes them feel a little bit more important to me. It makes them feel a little bit more sacred. When they're still just wood and strings and uh, fake leather and paper that's falling apart and uh, calcium deposits around a sea creature, they now become part of God's story in a way that I never could have predicted. So again, it's not easy to see the bigger stories. You kind of have to hunt for them a little bit. But imagine what, with what God can do with a guitar and a seashell and an old Bible. And what do you imagine that God can do with us? In our scripture reading this morning, we, we come to one of the most iconic stories in the Jewish and the Christian scriptures. The story of David and Goliath. 
And as we read through this particular story, we kind of have the conclusion. We kind of know what's happening. Uh, We don't even have to be in church to have heard of the story of David and Goliath. And and the, the sermon pretty much preaches itself that there are big, scary things in life, and we have the faith to knock them over. But if you go through this particular story and you break it down into different perspectives, you find out that there's actually three different stories going on at the same time before they know the conclusion. And the first story is the one of Saul and of the army of Israel. That as they're standing on the battlefield ready to fight against the Philistines, their story at this moment is fear of being terrified. It's a, it's a story of doubt. It's a story of defeat. That there is a giant warrior on the other side of those battle lines that is absolutely going to crush them. And they're really just delaying the inevitable. They're really just putting off the defeat as long as possible. Hiding, being scared, terrified, not sure what their next move is. They're paralyzed in fear. Now, that's a very different story than on the other side of the battlefield, where that's a story of not only victory, but a humiliating victory of Goliath standing there and calling out the army of of supposedly uh, the people of God. Look how weak they are. Look how hidden they are. Look how doubtful they are. Look how pathetic they are. And later on, when when David ends up standing in front of Goliath, we see him that very same kind of arrogant attitude coming out. Goliath's story is there is nobody that can beat me. I am too big, I am too strong, and I am too good at what I do. They don't even want to try. Then you have David's story. David doesn't seem to see what everybody else does. For David, this isn't a story of defeat, like in Saul and the army. This isn't even a story of victory, Like Goliath, this story is so much bigger. When everybody else is focused on how big this giant is, uh, whether it's going to be crushed by him or whether he's going to be the one doing the crushing, David sees around the giant. He doesn't see a story of defeat. He doesn't see a story of victory. He sees a story of deliverance. He sees an opportunity. He sees an opportunity for God's story, which is so much bigger than the stories that everybody else is telling him. You have Saul and the army and his brothers telling him that he's too small. Telling him that he's suicidal to go out in front of this giant. Then you have the story of Goliath mocking him, tearing him down. Throwing out those labels and throwing out about those names that so many of us already have experience with. We already know how crushing it is for somebody to tell us how ineffective, how insignificant, how unimportant we are. To be so easily looked over, we know what that giant feels like. But David sees deliverance. He sees around the giant and realizes beyond a shadow of a doubt that this story is not finished yet. That God has a bigger story. God has a deliverance. God has something that he wants to show the world. 
And those stories can sometimes be hard to see. Sometimes we're wondering why nobody else can see them yet. And we feel like we must be crazy because we're the only ones who can see that God still shows up in hard circumstances. That God still knocks over giants. Look at how everybody responds to David. He's foolish. That there's no possible way that he can succeed. And sometimes it takes that little bit of faith to help show people that bigger things are possible. That we can see around giants and see that the things that we cling to in this life, hope and joy and mercy and peace and compassion, those things that seem so ineffectual and insignificant during difficult times are the very things that help us to see that we're a part of a bigger story. They were part of God's grace being poured out in the world in such a way that others are come to be able to see God's story by the way that we keep moving forward, even in the face of giants. When we focus on the giant and we focus on the problem and we focus on the doubt and the fear, we get paralyzed. We freeze up. We forget how to forgive. We forget how to trust. We forget how to push back against those giants. And yet when we zoom out, when we not only see a bigger picture, but we see a bigger story, we see that God has plans for us to take some steps forward. For us to start throwing rocks at some of the giants and some of the fears and some of the doubts that pop up in front of us. And those steps forward can be so life-changing, not for us, but the ones who are on the sidelines watching us have the faith and have the courage to be able to take those steps forward. That we look around and eventually we begin to see that we are not alone. That we can see around giants. And we can see bigger stories. And that we all have a part in the story of God's grace and God's mercy and the story of God's deliverance in this world. Amen and amen. Will you pray with me today? <clears throat> Almighty and gracious God, we give you thanks. Lord, we give you thanks that we are a part of a bigger story. Lord, there, there are some people in this life that take a look at us. We even take a look in the mirror sometimes at ourselves, and God, we don't see the story. God, we so easily miss how much you love us, how much you've equipped us, and how much you have promised that you would be with us. And God, sometimes it seems foolish to hope and to forgive and to trust and to push forward knowing that your story is bigger than what we can see. Help us this week, Lord, to throw a rock at a giant that's in our lives. That even just out of a faithfulness to see what kind of story that you might have wrapped up, hidden around it. That what seems like defeat might just be a part of your bigger story of deliverance. And God, give us the strength to stand in front of giants and to not only see your story, but to be a part of your story as we prepare to go out into the world. And we do this all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.